And each week we go through memory verse, and some of you probably already guessed what the memory verse is, but if you haven't guessed correctly, the verse we're going through is Psalm 23.1, and it reads, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. So one thing I kind of want to point out is oftentimes if you get the same message over and over again, it starts to get stale and you probably don't take anything from it. I kind of, to put it to a real world expect or experience with a bunch of leftovers afterward. So my, my mom always says that my family doesn't eat leftovers too well. So you usually get a bunch of meals out of one and then you get pretty sick and tired of it after a while. And hopefully that's not the way we go through into God's word. And some, sometimes I feel like I'm blessed to have not the greatest of memory because that means I can dive right in to something I've probably already heard before, but I can take it as brand new. And that's kind of the challenge I have for this morning. Take everything as, as if you're, it's your first time. So we'll go ahead and start our memorization. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Psalm 23, 1. Pretty easy. So well, let's go over it again. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Psalm 23, 1. All right. It's pretty easy. Not, not too difficult. Got only a couple words there. So we'll try a little challenge. Remove some letters. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Psalm 23, 1. All right. So if you pull up your connection card, there's or your bulletin, there's a little white card in here. One side has our Psalm 23.1 on it, and our other side is our little challenge mode. Our challenge for you is to hold on to it, memorize your passage for this week so you can get ingrained in your heart. You can either store it in your phone case, pocket. I always prefer the sock because then you can always feel it. So keep that with you for the week. So we're going to dive right into the name Yahweh-Rohi. Now, the name Yahweh-Rohi is, I think, one of the most exciting names to dive into because with the whole aspect of Yahweh-Rohi, we actually get to be able to pick up some of the other names of God that we've gone through, and we're actually able to see God's character in, well, actually multiple names. Like with Yahweh-Rohi, we're actually able to see the love of Abba Father, the provision of Adonai alongside the resources or the provision of El Shaddai and the resources of Adonai. And isn't it just great to have a God that is our everything? And all these names just are able, they might just be different names, but they're all used to describe one God. And the idea of our God being our shepherd is actually found all the way in the Old Testament and the word Yahweh or the word Rohi is actually mentioned in the Bible a total of 61 times. So it kind of gives you a really wants this idea to be put in our minds. So if we look at the first aspect of God that we can see in the name Yahweh Rohi, we can see that Yahweh Rohi leads. Jump into the first verse. We have Psalm 81. It reads, Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead shepherds, who you lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth. Now, with the idea of leading and leadership, the definition it can be changed up a little bit. 
for some people, leadership might be just having a bunch of little chickens following you behind, right behind you. But that's not necessarily the right way to look at leadership because if you really think about it, with leadership, you're, putting, you're taking the responsibility of those that are following you and putting it on yourself. And a lot of the time, it does require of yourself to lose your rights, which is kind of a big deal going on in the world today. And we can see this idea of leadership all throughout the idea of the shepherd and the sheep. Because the shepherd is taking all the responsibility for the sheep, and the sheep are following their shepherd. And we can dive right into the Old Testament with, with an example of God leading his people. His people were stuck in Egypt for quite a few hundred years. And during that time, they were suffering with torment in, ca- in their captivity of slavery. But God wanted to lead his people out of there into a place that's safe. Now, the way to get to the safe place might not always be necessarily the easiest or the quickest way. We can actually see this in Exodus thirteen seven, which reads, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said if they faced war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert road towards the Red Sea. So we can see here that God's priority is actually the safety of his people. Kind of a little picture I got for this is we're able to get a tour guide. So the tour guide's kind of taking you along, maybe probably downtown. He's showing you the best places to eat, places to relax, maybe to buy a t-shirt. And then he's got a shortcut for you. So he turns you into this very dark alleyway and you're kind of getting unsettled a little bit, but you're like, the guy knows what he's doing, so I'm going to follow him. And then kind of look over to your side and then you see a guy getting beat up and his lunch money stolen. And then you just kind of get this kind of uneasiness, this unsettling feeling about it all. And you start to mistrust the guide, wondering if he actually does know his job. So you can see here that danger, and in the presence of danger, that starts to lead to fear, and that fear can lead to a distrust. But we do not see this in God's plan, because God knows what, what would be fearful for the Israelites, so he keeps them away from danger, so he can have their total trust. And during their trip out of Egypt, God made it clear for the people which way they were going. Instead of taking the form of either a man standing in the very front of the group or even a little lizard, God made it very clear because if God did come in the form of either a man or a lizard, you have the vision he'd be seen by maybe the first five, six people in line. But if you look how many people there were, there was 6,000 men, let alone the women and children. So, you wouldn't be the 6,000th person in line would not be able to see who's leading them. So God had this in mind and he, act, he took the form of a pillar of cloud. So whether you be the first person in line or the 6,034th person in line, you're all able to see where God is and where he's leading you. And 
God was still thinking during the night where God, instead of a cloud, he would take the form of a pillar of fire. So during the night, people can see God and not lose sight of him. A second form of God we can actually see in the name of Yahweh-Rohi is that Yahweh-Rohi feeds. Now, I would think food is pretty important thing. God knows this, and God knows what is best for a sheep. And so if you take a shepherd, he has to guide his sheep from one area to the next, so the sheep are able to graze the grass as they go. Now, if the shepherd wasn't feeding them, the sheep would kind of, in their own mind, once the little feel the grass in front of them is gone, they'll start to move off and find some more grass and eventually got this huge scattering. Or sometimes sheep are pretty stupid, and so if they'll eat the grass that's right in front of them, they'll forget about all the other grass, and they'll just stay there and starve. But the shepherd isn't going to let the sheep starve. We can see God in this in Isaiah 40, where he, where he re- says, Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. And we, can, we just get to see here how much our Yahweh Rohi is caring for his sheep, being able to feed them. And if the sheep aren't able to move themselves, he will carry them close to his heart. And we can see this alongside our God in Israel perspective again. So when the when Israelites were leaving Egypt, of course they had, they would have to eat. Because the end the end goal of the eleven day journey would to bring the Israelites to the best pasture ever. We can see that in Exodus three eight. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hittites, and Jebusites. And we can see here that this new field that our Yah- the Yahweh-Rohi is leading his people to is going to be big and it's going to be plentiful. And it's going to be pretty easy to get right into it because... The people of the land have already started farming. So it's just going to be a quick, easy process. Super simple, just living off the land. But, and this was God's plan. But as sheep do, the Israelites started to wander as they were going going through. And because of this, God had to change his plan a little bit. Instead of having this 11-day backpacking journey, the trip turned into 40 years of... But God was not going to stop feeding his people just because, well, God has infinite resources because God does not forget to feed his flock. We can jump to Exodus 16, verse 4. It reads, Then the Lord said to Moses, I'll rain down bread from heaven for you. And then go, jumping over a couple of verses to 6 and 7. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that the Lord, who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. So when the Israelites were leaving the land, the land of Egypt, 
the Egyptians actually provided a bunch of food and supplies for them. But that set of resources was not going to survive 40 years in the desert. So God had a plan to continue to feed his people. And he did that with the form of manna. He provided manna for them every single day without question because of his, because he wanted to. And, but God wanted to let the people know that it wasn't the people who were providing for themselves, but it was God who was providing for them. And the way that he did that was when, when the people collected manna for, to store for multiple days, after the next day, the maggots would infest the manna and then become very gross to eat, and I would not want to eat maggot-filled bread. And one other little point we can get from this little verse, set of verses, is God's leading to his people, leading his people into a great land. He's, and this land is not going to be filled with junk food. He's not, tra- he's not transporting his people into the land of Butterfingers and Reese's. He's, he's bringing them to the land of milk and honey. Now, he could have used pretty much any other f- form of food, like he could have done radishes and lettuce, but that doesn't sound appetizing to me. But there's, ac- there's a reason why he actually chose milk and honey, because milk and honey have tremendous health benefits. Like milk in itself has nutrients that strengthen bones, prevents dental decay, and gives you smoother skin just to name a few of them. And then honey, alongside its sweet taste, brings about a prevention of cancer, destructions of ulcers and fungi, and interestingly, an increase in athletic performance. Knowing all this, I'm pretty sure God would have a butterfinger or two for those good sheep around. A third aspect of God we can see in the name Yahweh-Rohi. And this is kind of like the big point I want to make this morning, because... When when the sheep are being are following the shepherd, there are some times where the sheep will decide to wander off and eventually get itself into danger. And sometimes even a shepherd would have to protect the sheep. We can see this with Daniel when he's talking to, or David when he's talking to King Saul before his big fight with Goliath in First Samuel seventeen thirty four where David was able, had to fight off a lion and a bear. So there are costs to being a shepherd. But this love that comes from protection is what also drives the shepherd to seek out and save the lost sheep, whether they're in danger or just lost. I'm going to jump to Ezekiel chapter 34, which reads, For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. If someone were to ask me what, what one of my favorite passages were in the Bible, I'd first tell them that the Bible is perfect and everything is great in the Bible. But then the second, I'd probably say Ezekiel 34. And I'm going to go into that just a and a little bit more, but I'm going to do that in a little bit. But we kind of, as I said a couple times already, sheep do have the tendency to wander off, whether it be just because they're bored or there's just some grass that looks a little tastier than what's in front of them. So they'll just wander off to that patch of grass and then they'll go into another 
that they see a little farther away, and then eventually they're just darn lost. I I remember a little kid's storybook that was not read to me, but I heard it. But the little main character of the book is Cecil the sheep. Now Cecil is with his shepherd, with his 99 other pals, and Cecil decides he's tired of the same old daily plan, eat grass, move, eat grass, move. So he decides he wants to go on an adventure. So what he does is he walks off. He's just wandering. And then a couple of pages, we can find Cecil on top of a mountain, but he's scared and alone. So we go to the next page and we see shepherd. He's counting all the sheep. He's He's counting them all by name. And comes the 99th. Cecil's not there. So what he does is he looks around, see if Cecil's just kind of right around, but he notices he's not there. But he does notice a set of tracks. So the shepherd leaves his 99 sheep and goes after Cecil. And it it comes all the way till nightfall before the shepherd finds Cecil on top of that mountain. So once the shepherd does grab Cecil, he puts Cecil on his shoulder and then walks begins the trek back. I might be telling a story that's actually a retelling, or I might be retelling a story that you've already know, and that's true, because the Bible has its own answers for everything. The Bible is perfect, or it's because it's the perfect Word of God. And we can see this seeking out in comparison to God in Israel. A couple weeks ago, we talked to Aaron talked about Yahweh Shalom and how God is peace. And the God of peace kept bringing peace to Israel during the time of the book of Judges. And because no matter how many times Israel wandered off, God kept calling Israel back and bringing them back. And in the book of Judges alone, God sent 12 people to come and bring his people back. And that's just the book of Judges alone. And that's not even counting... uh, the rest of the Bible. But all this is nice, if, but it doesn't matter if God's character isn't constant. Because if God wasn't constant all throughout history, then like his love would just be for the Israelites and we would just be a complete mess. But because our Yahweh Rohi is consistent, we do have the same love. In the next topic that I have, and it's that we are Yahweh Rohi's sheep. And we can jump over to Psalm 100, where it reads, Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. If God only had enough love for those Israelites, then we're actually, if we say that, we're actually putting a limit on God. And why would we want to limit God? Because we, we'd also be separating that love from us, and we need that love. And then in the New Testament, we have Peter, who actually can also confirms that we are the sheep of... We were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And the big point I'm, I want to make is, since we are sheep, we do all have that tendency to wander off. We all have wandered off at some point, because... One minute we're sitting next to our shepherd, 
all nice and cozy. And then there's a little patch of grass just farther off, and we decide to wander over, and then we'll wander again, and then pretty soon the shepherd's out of our sight. But, and so when I was up at school, uh, Zach said it was Thetis Island, and called Thetis Island because it was an island, actually. The only thing on the island pretty much was the school. So if you wanted to go get snacks or anything, you'd actually have to take a 20-minute ferry ride and then you take another one back. So pretty much you were just in this Christian bubble the entire time. Each day you're getting the Word of God. But then eventually, when you leave, you lose that constant stream of knowledge. So without that, you might have the tendency to wander. And I know I did. But that's why we need to continue being in... God's word each and every day, so we do not wander. But being a sheep also has some grand bonuses. And I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be let off easy if I didn't talk about Psalm 23. So if you do have one of our Bibles, the page for that is 382. So if you, if you have our Bible, you can flip to it. If you have your own Bible, you can flip to it. If you have neither, we actually have some Bibles in the back, and you can keep one if you'd like. So, this time, going through Psalm 23, I don't want us to have that leftover mindset that, oh, we've heard this before, just kind of toss it to the side, but rather take it as if you're receiving it brand new. And we're going to be going over each and every verse and seeing what God has in store. The first verse reads, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd, that is, that is Yahweh-Rohi right there. And really, because of Yahweh-Rohi, all the rest of the verse, the psalm, we can take as absolutes. And starting right off the bat, we, we see, because Yahweh-Rohi, I lack nothing. And this is just a fact that we need to embrace every single day, lack nothing. Let's jump over to the next verse. It says, Because Yahweh-Rohi, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And basically, just to kind of summarize it up, He he actually gives us rest. He makes us rest. We do not lack rest. And this rest is not a lame rest. The passage specifically says green pastures. God is not going to lead us to some dead yellow grass or just barren dirt. He's going to lead us to green grass where we're able to find our rest and the best best grass to eat. And also, he light, he leads me beside quiet waters. We can from this we can actually see we do not lack refreshment. And this refreshment can be either spiritual or physical. I was told that sheep do not actually drink out of rivers or rushing water. They actually have to drink out of still water. And that's what God provides for us. Next verse is, He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for His namesake. I tend to lean over on the NASB version of translations 
And instead of the word refreshes, the NASB actually says restores. If we put both of those words together, we can actually see God cleans us and gives us a fresh start. And another way of saying that is we do not lack forgiveness. No matter how many times we wander off, God's always coming back to grab us and bring us back to the fold. We will, he never, for, he always forgives us and never lets his love run dry. We can also see that we do not lack guidance. And we know guidance of God is pure and perfect. And all we have to do is keep our focus on the shepherd. We can jump over quickly to Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. We can see here that the plans that God has for us is not bad plans or even just moderate, okay plans, but rather they're plans for our welfare and really for what's best for us. He's not going to take us to down there. He's going to, he knows the perfect plan for us and he's going to lead us that way. And all we have to do is stay with the shepherd. If we wander off to do our own plans, we're drifting away from the perfect plans that God has for us. Jumping back in the Psalm, going to verse four, we read, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil for you are with me. You rod in the staff, they comfort me. We can see from this passage, we actually do not lack comfort. And this comfort is not necessarily always a comfy couch sitting next to a TV with a bowl of popcorn. It's, I compare this comfort to the difference between being happy and being joyful. Because being happy, you can only be happy when you're in a happy situation, in the good times. But Joy is different because you can find joy in even the darkest times. And I'm reminded of Paul when he writes to the church in Philippi. He writes to in his letter, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And we know that Paul has been through plenty of good times, but way more bad times. And no matter what situation he was in, he was able to find comfort in his Yahweh-Rohi. Jumping back again to the psalm, we read, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This passage actually reminds me of a Facebook post that I saw not, not too long ago. And it's kind of interesting because I'm not on Facebook really too much. So seeing this article was actually pretty much divine intervention. But the article is all, was all about sheep and their shepherd. So certain times of the year, there is a big increase of mosquitoes and ticks, and they like to bury themselves into the heads of the sheep. And this causes a lot of irritation to the sheep to the point where the pain and irritation so much, they'll start hitting their heads on certain things. And this could actually lead to the sheep's death. So to prevent this, the shepherd comes by and anoints the sheep with oil, pours the oil onto the head of the sheep, and then rubs the oil into the wool. And this acts as a layer of protection. And the article jumps over to talking about Christians, because we are 
Yahweh rohi sheep. We all have those little irritating things that be like a bad day at work or an irritating sibling. They all start to get in your head and eventually get worse and worse. But because our Yahweh Rohi knows us, he knows all those little irritating problems. So he comes by to protect us from all those. And because of this, we can remember, even in the times of gloom, Yahweh Ro- with Yahweh Rohi, we do not lack joy. Jumping to the final verse of the psalm, reads, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To put simply, we do not lack anything, whether it be now, forever, or when we're up in heaven with our shepherd. Because God is our sufficiency now and forever. And that is a great fact that we can use to put the final nail in the sheep gate is that is Yahweh Rohi, or Jesus is Yahweh Rohi. In fact, with Jesus being Yahweh Rohi, that's a fulfillment of prophecy. I mentioned Ezekiel 34 a little bit ago, and I'll, we'll be jumping back into that. But the, the entirety of Ezekiel 34 is talking about shepherds tending their sheep. But these shepherds are not doing the grandest job taking care of the sheep. In fact, they're just kind of using their positions as shepherds to get what they want, to live a great life. These, shep- these shepherds are not taking care of the sheep the way that they need to. So up, up at school, we, we had a bunch of cattle around and chickens. But at one point, we actually had a sheep for the wool. And that, so one day as the kind of director of the animals is going by, he notices that the sheep is lying down on its side. Kind of un, the, the director had no idea what was going on. So he thought the sheep was pregnant or something. So he just kind of let it be. But he comes by another day or the, later and he sees the sheep still on its side. So he starts to kind of get worried, wondering really what's going on. So he calls a veterinarian to come by onto the island. But since it is an island, it takes quite a while for events like that to happen. So, But when the veterinarian did come by, the sheep had already died. So after kind of looking over the sheep, the veterinarian said, well, this sheep actually needed its nails clipped. And the director's kind of like, what? But apparently trimmed, it'll be too painful for them to stand, so they'll just fall on their side, and they won't get up. And this, this is just kind of an idea of how the shepherds in, the, in Ezekiel 34 are acting. We jump over to the third verse of the chapter. It says, You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but do not take care of the flock. This is the shepherds taking advantage of their job and but actually not doing what they're supposed to do. They're getting paid, but like when the boss is not around, they're doing the bare minimum, and they're just reaping the benefits of the position. Jump over to the next verse. Reread, You have not strengthened the weak, nor healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. The shepherds in this chapter are neglecting the sheep, and it's and they're neglecting the sheep because they lack the love for the sheep. 
say, if a bear or a lion came by, these shepherds are going to worry about themselves. They're going to run away, but leave the sheep alone to be eaten. And that's, and God does, is not happy about that. If you jump over to verse 10, we read kind of God's response to this. He says, this is what the Lord, sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds and will hold them accountable for my flock. I'll remove them from tending the flock so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. Another way to put this is our Yahweh Rohi is taking back his flock from the shepherds. And if you kind of look at the next couple verses, it's all about how God's going to punish the shepherds for not doing their job and going to gather up all the sheep that were lost. But if we jump over to verse 23, we read, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So God is tired of all these shepherds not doing their job, not, not being an adequate shepherd. God wants a, a shepherd to be perfect. But the problem is, there's no other perfect shepherd than Yahweh Rohi. So the solution to this is Jesus. We can read, my servant and Jesus is the Son of God. He is all of what God is. So we can see that Jesus is Yahweh Rohi. And Jesus actually kind of has a response to this. If we jump into the New Testament to John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Because Jesus is the perfect shepherd. And he's willing to do what none of the other shepherds were willing to do. When the bears and the lions come by, Jesus is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And it did come to a time where Jesus had to lay down his life for the sheep. But because there still needs to be that perfect shepherd, death was not the end for Jesus. Jesus was, able, was risen from the dead so he could live and shepherd his flock forever. And we, to rephrase what I said earlier, we are Jesus' sheep. And actually, there is still a chance to join the flock. We jump to Luke 19. We read, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus' job is not done yet. He, he's still gathering all the sheep that were lost so he can have one fold, one flock to love forever. But the big point I want to make is we know the shepherd. We know of the shepherd. But do we know the shepherd? Are we playing the right role? If we jump over to back to John, John chapter 4 reads, When he has brought all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now, during, through life, there are a bunch of different voices going out and about. These voices are the voices of the shepherds that want their jobs back. And these shepherds want to lead you to pastures that might look nice, but they're just really going to lead to your doom. But there is one voice out of all those voices that we should be listening to, and that is the voice of our shepherd, Jesus Christ. So if we 
think about what we've learned. We can, we've learned that God is our shepherd. We know that God is the perfect shepherd because his love abounds and his care for us never ends. Because we can, with the name Yahweh-Rohi, we can actually see God's love, forgiveness, dedication, and provision. And he, he's the one who knows uh, how to be in control. And to be his sheep, we need to understand that. He knows all of us intimately. He knows all our little problems. He knows our big problems. And he's always there to bring us back when we need to. And because God is our Yahweh-Rohi, we can proclaim that I lack nothing. That is a big phrase to think about. No matter what situation we are in, can we proclaim that I lack nothing? And finally, we can learn that Jesus is our Yahweh-Rohi. Because Jesus is our appointed shepherd, and he's been appointed by God to watch over us. No other shepherd is God-approved. And Jesus is always watching for us, just like Yahweh-Rohi. So, if we can pull out our connection card, our little green card, we can... We see a couple things under the box this week I commit to. The first one is memorize Psalm 23.1. You probably already have it memorized, but if you don't, you can go ahead and memorize that for the week. But if you do, try to, take, try to memorize the entirety of Psalm 23. It's only five more verses. It's not too difficult. You probably already have that too anyway. Second one is, do you know your shepherd? We, have, we know what our shepherd is. We know all of his characters, but do we personally know him? Have, have we come to learn his voice and follow his voice? And the last point is, are you leading like Jesus? We've learned what it is to be a shepherd and how to lead the flock. And he's tasked us with the same thing. And we know how to lead, but are we leading the same way that he is leading? Because... God's ways are perfect and ours are not, but each and every day we strive to perfect how we live. And let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your abundance and your love for us. We thank you for always being there and always watching over us. We thank you for being our Yahweh-Rohi, the one who loves, forgives, and provides for us. We thank you for Jesus who's the perfect shepherd who loves us and knows us all intimately. And just thank you for you just being you. Thank you for who you are, who you were, and who you always will be. In your name, amen.